All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mays, Marquis, Hour 4 here on a Monday. A little uh, deviation here from the Titans for a couple of minutes as we talk to our pal Darren McFarland, who, of course, you will hear on Darren, Donick, and Chase coming up one hour from now. D-Mac, happy Monday. How are you? Guys, should I even come in today? Is the building burnt down? Uh, <laughs> what, what's the lay of the land uh, for the last three hours? Uh, the Titans are a dumpster fire. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of been our yeah. show today. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard some. I know it's. I know it's bad. I just, you know, just wondering how bad. It's bad. Uh, but one thing, <laughs> you know, with the Preds and they lost on Saturday in Los Angeles. Uh, offense, not the issue. This team can score some goals. Uh, it's falling behind early and having some defensive issues that could be the flaw of this team, at least in the early portion of the season. Uh, what are you seeing on that front? <laughs> I actually thought of Colton Sisson's uh, comments after the game on Saturday night. Yesterday afternoon, as we all uh, struggled with, wow, we'll never get those three hours back, ever, ever in our life. We'll never get that back. And Colton Sisson said, you know, we learned that you can't just, you know, not play for the first 40 minutes of a game because at this level, teams will make you pay, even a bad L.A. Kings team, and that's what happened. But could you imagine if the Titans played 82 games in a regular season, what it would be like covering this team? I mean, this is one game a week. So it's it's tough because in hockey, you know, it's a long grind. And they're very talented, as you alluded to, Nick. They're not, scoring is not an issue. You love the comeback. The problem is you're down 4-1 to start the third. I mean, you're down three goals to, like I said, it's a bad L.A. team, a team that's not going anywhere, a team that's not going to be in the playoffs, and a team that just outworked and outplayed the Predators for the first 40 minutes. And the Predators came out in the third and said, okay, let's turn it on. And then Victor Arvidsson scored right away, and then Duchesne had – the power play goal, and then Colton Sisson's tied it up, and away you go, and you're thinking, wow, if the worst-case scenario is the way they've played, they come away with a point, this is an absolute win. Yeah, you want to get greedy and get the two points, but just really, really tough whenever you come back like that and you give up that late goal less than a minute to go and you, you skate away with no points. So they've had defensive lapses. There's no doubt about it. They have to shore up things on the defensive end on the back end, and scoring has been fun. It's fun watching scoring, and this team looks offensively and special teams-wise way better through five games than last season. But they also look like they need to fix things on the back end, and that's something we haven't been accustomed to talking to over the years. But uh, remember, there is a young man in Dante Fabro. His role is quite increased. He only played 10 games last year, and there's times when he's going to look like a rookie and a guy that has a, doesn't have a ton of NHL experience while we praise him, rightfully so. And one of those uh, times was there on uh, Saturday night in, or Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles. So uh, still a work in progress, but so, so far through five games, looks pretty good. Certainly, it, it, there's no, you know, you, you need more than five games to sort of decide trends for teams. I think you need 10 to 15 games before you start really getting concerned or excited about any one thing in particular. But but this is not the first time they've fallen behind. Now, they, they came back and beat Minnesota. They fell behind against Detroit and lost. They, they are falling behind early. That is something that you can point to in the first five games. Like I said, it's not, an, you know, you need more than five to decide that something's a trend. But can you see any reason? Can you point to any one thing? Because by and large, it feels like Dante Fabro's played fairly well for his experience level why is this team falling behind in so many games well ironically they actually scored the first goal in la on saturday afternoon grandlin got them going less than five minutes in and 
and away they went. In fact, Peter Lavillette even talked about that. He's like, you know, we're not trying to play from behind. We're not trying to play catch-up. Um, nobody wants to play from behind. It's a lot more work trying to come back and do what they did. If you remember, though, a couple of years ago, that's in their – and their uh, run to being the President's Trophy and having the best record in the regular season. I mean, how many come-from-behind wins did they have and how many big third periods did they have? But it takes a lot of work to do that. Derek knows that as a professional athlete, man. Playing from behind, while it's sweet, when you come back and you get the win, man, it tastes a little bit better, but a lot of work that goes into that. Um, But, you know, right now, Braden, the, the trend is they're really good in the third period. So good, they're the best team in the league. They scored 15 goals in the third period. I guess if you're going to pick a period to be good in, you want the third period to be your best period. And right now, they've been the best team in the league. 15 goals in the third period, which probably goes to what you're talking about, is they're scoring, having to score a lot of goals to come back. Washington, they did. They played from behind. They were playing catch-up the entire game. But they caught up in the third period, and they came away with a victory. They caught up in the third in L.A., it just wasn't good enough less than a minute with a, a bad goal with 59 seconds to go. But you have to love what you see offensively. I feel like, you know, scoring is something I don't know if you can just fix. Defense, I think you can talk about and scheme and you can fix. I, I don't know about you guys, but if I had a problem, I think I'd, I'd rather the problem be on the back end and try to fix things that way if you know you have the personnel as – to trying to make something happen that probably you can't fix offensively. If you're not scoring goals, you're not scoring goals. Usually it doesn't go poof and you start averaging four goals a game. That's well, just my opinion. Well, I called the Predators the Kansas City Chiefs of the National Hockey League because they can score with anybody. It's about stopping. And we know if you can't stop anyone um, come playoff time, your, your, your stint in the playoff is going to be very, very short. Um, we overreact about any and everything. We overreacted about the comeback win with the Capitals um, in in a, a season where, you know, it's 82 games. And, you know, one win where it's great, where it, it's great, but you got many more left. But are we overreacting? Would I be overreacting to say there might be, a, as much as I love Soros, He's given up 12, what, 12, 13 goals in his two starts against the Kings and the Red Wings. Is there any reason to be kind of, you know, worried with that? I would say if this was the first year of him mm-hmm. serving as Becca's backup, I would say, ooh, this is not a good start to, to this being the backup. And this is the guy that's going to back up Becca for the season. But, I mean, we know his body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, he got off to a good start last year. He won his first four starts. He won seven of his first nine starts last year. Then he hit a little rough patch. But I'll say this about UC Soros. He hasn't had a ton of rough patches, and when he has had rough patches, and certainly you're right, Derek, uh, the first two starts are not what he's looking for. There's no doubt about it. I think in some cases you could say it was his fault. In some other cases, I, I think it was more about what was in front of him and the mm-hmm. breakdowns that was going on in front of him. So it was a little bit more of a team effort. It's not all on him. It's not all on um, the defensive core in front of him. It was a little bit of both. Uh, certainly, he would like to have some back, but too early to say that. But we know his body of work. His body of work is over the entire season, however many starts he gets. And I believe he'll probably his role will just continue to increase. He's probably he's done it every year. He's had more starts 
than he's ever had in his career. I don't suspect that's going to change. He'll probably get a couple more starts than he did last year. I would say overall, Derek, his body of work is proven. I mean, we know what UC Saros is all about. It. He's a guy that can correct things. He's gone through patches just like every goalie in the league has. Uh, and I know it's a little bit different because you're looking for that spark with the backup, right? You want to be able to trust the backup to come in whenever your starter's not in there, and they have been able to do that. I mean, we've been sitting here talking about that being the best one-two punch mm-hmm. in the league. I, I'm not ready to throw that away after two games and say, well, it used to be the best one-two punch in the league. Yeah, he's not off to the start he was looking for. Last year, he did get off to a good start, even though he did give up goals, but he got wins. Ultimately, it was about wins, right? Mm-hmm. And then there were some there were some stretches where he'd like to have back, but no, I think it's it's too early to have cause for concern when it comes to UC Saros. Dmac, always a pleasure. We will see you in uh, under one hour. Guys, get back to fire and brimstone. You got it, Darren McFarland, <laughs> Darren Donick, and Chase. Always good to have Dmac mm-hmm. in here on a Monday. Uh, I would say too with Saros, you know, it's the mm-hmm. turnovers on your own end. Yep. It's the defensive breakdowns, not clearing the puck. I mean, there were stretches on that game Saturday. Why had the two TV set up going once the Preds mm-hmm. came on? They, I mean, the Kings were on the Preds end of the ice for two or three minutes in a row. And 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 that's why, you know, when we when we look at it and listen, we can we can Uber overreact over a comeback victory versus versus the Capitals. Um that's why I didn't want to that's why I asked D Mac that question. Cause I'm not it's not like I'm overreacting on on Saros because I think he's a really good goalie, a backup goalie, and potentially he's going to be the starter eventually. It's just, you know, when you look at it, um, is it him or is it the guys in front of him? Because, you know, these same problems or these same lapses they're having with Pecorine. How many times have we said this year, man, that was a great save by Pecorino. Man, that was a great save yeah, by Pecorino. Well. Exactly. So it's, but we know that, you know, the talent level between Pecorino and Soros, there's a level between them two. And that's why Pecca's still a starter. But when Soros come in, I wanted to know, is it is it 50-50, you know, some on him, some on the defensive guys, or is it him or is it just a defensive guy? I, I think to what Darren was saying, I think he's fairly proven mm-hmm. in that he's had stretches where he's played bad hockey, but that's kind of every hockey player. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's a proven commodity as as one of the best backups, if not the best backup goaltender in the National Hockey League. And I think he's going to be fine. So I, I will say that to, to Darren's point about the third period being like how, how good this team is in the third period. Just a real quick story. I I had the two get the, the two girls to myself on Saturday night. My wife had a, a party for her brother in law. She had to go to yeah, yeah p- p- thoughts and prayers. He um, needs some of them shoes. And, and so we left. Actually, we had to <laughs> or at least leave. the holy water. We, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We left one party. Mm-hmm. She had to go to a different party, and then I got. To, I was like, I've got to get them home and get them in bed before the start of the LSU Florida game. I've got to do this. <laughs> Didn't happen, of course. Um, so I, I got home though, and. Marin loves the Preds. She loves hockey. She wants to watch hockey over football, which I'm mm-hmm. proud of her for. It's cool. Um, so I'm there, and you kind of have to put one down and then keep the other one busy, right, when you're by yourself putting the two kids down. So I put Marin in the chair. It's 4-2. to two. Arvidsson mm-hmm. has already scored to make it 4-2 in the third period. She does not want to watch LSU Florida. Mm-hmm. She's like, I want to watch the Preds. I was like, okay. So I put the Preds on. I go, here's the deal. I'm going to go put Bennett to sleep. You stay in the chair, and you watch the Preds. You can stay up late and watch the Preds if you stay in that chair. Mm-hmm. I come. I go upstairs. I put Bennett to sleep. It takes me ten minutes. 
I come back downstairs, it's four to four. <laughs> I, like, I go, Marin, what happened? T- give me a breakdown. Did they enter the offensive zone? What was it, Forsberg? Like, give me a breakdown. And she's like, go Preds. <laughs> That's all she that was the breakdown. And, and I was like, did you see some goals? Did you see them score goals? And she's like, yeah, they scored goals. And I was like, all right. There she, we go. She knew what was going on. I, like, I just need to leave her in the chair. Scored four, three times in the third period. And then... And then and then she was devastated. But she was really mm-hmm. disappointed by the defensive back backside cover mm-hmm. coverage on the defensive side for for the for the Preds. She was very upset with giving up a goal with 57 seconds to go. She did not like that. All right, let's open it back up. Open up the phones again, 737-1025, and we will do that for the next 30 minutes. Titans calls if you want to jump in, 737-1025. Preds calls if you want to jump in as well, 737-1025. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Back in here on a Monday morning drive. Nick Braden, D-Maze, Marquise. 737-1025, the number. Around the NFL coming up in 15 minutes. The big finish at 945. We're going to open it up for you right now on the phones. If you want to go Titans, if you want to go Preds, we will certainly do that. 737-1025. Tommy in Shelbyville is on morning drive. What's up, Tommy? There you go. Hey, hey, how's it going, fellas? Love the show, and uh, and I got something for y'all. I was so disappointed watching that game yesterday. I ended up spending my night watching Miami and uh, Redskin highlights. <laughs> That's bad, man. Wow. Bad. I was wow. I was wondering if we can just sell our offense and or trade it to the Redskins. They they know how to score and win. Oh, do wow. they? Oh, they're on the board. They yeah. they they beaten Miami this year, and that Who was by one point. Miami. Yeah. But, Otherwise, they well, lost with, everybody else. With that aside, uh, yeah, with yesterday's events. I'm just kind of looking forward to what the next seven years of in-and-out quarterbacks are going to look like. I'll hang up and listen. Well, hopefully. If it goes seven years, people yeah. are going to start losing but jobs. Hopefully no, no. they don't go, they don't get to a point where they're, they are, you know, this quarterback carousel. This is the tease for the conversation basically for the rest of the season. If you are going to move on from Marcus Mariota, and you're not going to bring him back, even if we're talking about a cheap bridge contract, right? A two-year deal worth $35 million, Something, who knows what the number is, right? A cheap deal where you try to solve your quarterback problem by going out and finding the new answer, whoever that new answer is. The risk you run is ending up walking through the desert looking for a quarterback in purgatory for 15 years or 10 years or seven years because that is the risk you run. Mm-hmm. If the Titans decide we are moving on from Marcus, the reason I like a bridge contract for Marcus is because you have to find the next guy. And in the meantime, you need someone who cannot waste your team. So uh, Marcus isn't the answer moving forward. Fine. That's the decision they're making. The, the difficult thing is finding the next guy. Jake Fromm, who everyone – Joe Burrow, Jake Fromm, whoever – Justin Herbert. There is, there's a very low percentage chance that those three guys are going to be better than Marcus Mariota. Tua, okay, a higher percentage chance that he's better than Mar- than Marcus Mariota, but th- this year's draft class, Jake Fromm is zero and five in his career at Georgia when he throws the ball more than thirty times. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no guarantee that any of these guys are ever going to be any good, and so you have to have a plan in place if you're going to move on from Marcus. Fine, you decide that as a front office, and then you then tell me what your plan is. I want to know what the plan is because if you're going to spend $22 million on Teddy Bridgewater, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I just The Jags did it for Nick Foles, and it turns out the backup's better, <laughs> although maybe not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I, I just 
there is inherent risk on moving on from your quarterback. It's why few teams do it. It's why the Lions signed Matt Stafford for a million dollars, right, or hundreds of millions of dollars. It's there is a major risk involved in moving on from a quarterback because you just never know who you're going to find. Sam Bradford's problem was never him throwing the football, never him putting up the yardage. Um, Injury, just, injuries, right? Yeah, injuries, and they wanted to surround him. I mean, the, the Lions, they could score points. They just couldn't stop anybody. They didn't have a running game. You're talking about Stafford or, or no, Brad, Bradford? I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking Matthew Stafford with the Lions. They could score points, and he could throw the ball across the yard, but they couldn't run the football, yeah. and they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. And they figured, like, he's our guy. We just got to surround him, so we got to sign him. Although they're running the ball slightly they, yeah, better. Yeah, they're running it with Keon uh, Carry on John- Johnson. Yeah, Carry on Johnson. Go, running go, the ball, pack, go uh, Packers tonight, by the way. A lot of. <laughs> yes, go Lions, <laughs> go Lions. Uh, just because that's my home team. Yeah, um, but I think the the, the Titans are in a, a it's a diff, it's a, it's a difficult position they're in right now. It's not like say the Lions or some of these other teams. Uh, they're in a position because essentially they have both of their quarterbacks that that are on one year deals basically. Um. And they're trying to figure out what do we do in the meantime moving forward. Um, if Tannehill or Tamerhan or whatever you want to call him, if Tannehill, Tannehill. Yeah, Tannehill starts and he plays fairly well. I'm not saying that they pick up wins or nothing, but if he plays well, if he does the things that Marcus is not doing, meaning just throwing the ball, just trust, throw it, and let the receivers do what they do. Marcus is not doing that. If Tannehill comes in and he does that, not to say that he's going to be just setting the world on fire, but if he at least gives the receivers opportunities to make plays, then I think that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for a person that that hesitates. They're not looking for a person that won't take sort of chances. They're not looking at this point in time. They're not looking for the safe guy. They want somebody to see it throw it, and then, okay, and it is what it is. That's why I say both of these quarterbacks, if Tannehill plays well, they're more inclined to say, you know what, we're going to pay Tannehill $11, $12 million to be our quarterback moving forward until, you know, we draft a guy this year and let him work his way to become our starter. Yeah, I think they're more way, inclined. I think they're else. more inclined to do that because Marcus, he's a second pick in a draft. He's going to command, even if you, even if it's a bridge deal, he's going to command over $20 million per year. And I don't think either quarterback is worth $20 million. Right. So I think they're more inclined to say, you know what, if Tannehill plays well, good, we can pay him $12, $13, 14000000 million, and we can live with that and, and, and groom our next quarterback. And, and, again, part of this is what does John Robinson think of the quarterbacks that are available in the draft? Yeah. I mean, if, if they think that Jake Fromm could come back. To school, he may not come out. I mean, Justin Herbert's going to come out. Tua could come back. I doubt it, but he could. So, I mean, you just don't know. And I, I agree that Tannehill would be a cheaper bridge option. I think that's fair um, to to guess. But it, it's just I, I don't want to see my biggest fear as a as, as someone who's lived in this market for twenty plus years and watched this franchise is you end up in purgatory, looking for a quarterback for seven to ten years, and you're irrelevant again. Because let's be very honest, and this is what gets me completely, this, this is where revisionist history and lack of factual information drives me insane. Marcus Mariota is not a bust. He, he, he does not fit into the category of bust on a factual basis. Paxton Lynch is a bust. 
Johnny Manziel is a bust. EJ Manuel, who started like 16 games in his career, is a bust. This is a player who was talented, who who won games, who, who created offense, who got your team to the playoffs, who, who took your franchise from complete irrelevancy into winning games. He's broken now, and he may not be the answer moving forward. But he is not a bust. The problem is, is, is when you don't have the guy, finding the guy is, can be very, very difficult. Sometimes you luck into the guy, right? Sometimes you fall into to, to Drew Brees, you know, picking the, the, the Saints over the Dolphins in free agency. Sometimes you luck into Russell Wilson in the third round because he's short. <laughs> like, so, you know, you can luck into the, Tom Brady in the sixth round. That's few and far between. Most of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL are drafted pretty highly, and most of the good ones are drafted pretty highly. So you, you're going to have to find that guy. But in the meantime, you still have to compete. And in the meantime, you're going to waste the defense that's ready to win today. So I, I, one of the two guys has to be a short-term solution. Your long-term solution, you got to figure that one out. Yeah, and I think the reality is we could be looking at a bridge deal for whether it's Marcus, whether it's Tannehill, whether it's Bridgewater, or any other guy out there that is just middle-of-the-road average at best. And then again, if you look at in the draft, I mean, I know you mentioned Tua, which, you know, he'll be the first pick from Herbert, Burrow. Then we're talking Jacob Eason. We're talking Costello, Jordan Love, I mean, those, Jalen Hurts. What, what are any of those guys guaranteed to be better than Tannehill or Mariota? And, and you're just not. Like Again, two is the only one. If you told me right now you could trade those two quarterbacks for two right now today, I'd probably make the trade. But outside of that, the, the odds on Justin Herbert being better than Marcus Mariota, a guy who's won a playoff game, is pretty small. I mean, again, when Jake Fromm is asked to carry the offense for Georgia, he's lost every single game. And this is Georgia against South Carolina. You're not going up against Denver and <laughs> Buffalo. You're going up against South Carolina. So I just the, – the idea that you can just wave a magic wand and find a starting NFL quarterback who's going to win you a Super Bowl is just stupid. Coming up next, we will go around the NFL, and then we have the big finish coming up at 945. It's Morning Drive. We're back after this on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in here on a Monday. Teron Davenport was just in here during the break. I'm assuming TD will be up very early in the Darren Donick and Chase program. Uh, confirmation real quick on that, uh, Teron, uh, I think 10.15 I'm guessing? Yes, 10.15. Okay. Oh, Sounds good. Right. All right, let's go around the NFL. We want them to sound dumb at the end. Like, stick to your guns. If you were calling <laughs> us pretenders in the beginning, call us pretenders now. Call us pretenders the whole time because you gotta you gotta be that way. You don't get to go hindsight is twenty twenty with this every year. You know what I mean? Just stick to your words. Stick to your guns. We're we're a terrible team. We're not. We don't have enough talent. We're just you know on a rebuilding year, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever the case may be, whatever your word was, please stick to it. For those who believed in us, the the faithful. Continue to believe in us. Continue to be humble. We're going to give you guys a good show, and we're going to fight as hard as we can. That was Richard Sherman yesterday after the uh, Rams lose to the 49ers 20-7. to I don't respect him anymore. So he, he did lied. shake somebody's hand he, or he, he didn't? He lied on uh, hmm. Baker Math Baker uh Baker. Mayfield. Mayfield, yes. Curtis, like Curtis Mayfield. Mayfield. Yeah, he lied on Baker Mayfield. I have no respect for him now. I mean, that anything he says now, because you deliberately lied on that man and said he didn't shake your hand because you wanted to drum up this whole, that was a, you know. This, yeah, it, 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 it was just, it was a blatant lie. Now, listen, Niners are undefeated. Yeah, right? they are. And they're they good. look really good. They're, they look yeah. really good. Now, Garoppolo made a few mistakes yesterday. Uh-huh. 
Jared Goff looked atrocious. 78 yards passing. Uh, 78 yards passing for what was the highest scoring offense in the NFL last year is atrocious. That was not as good a football game as I think mm-hmm. I was anticipating. But Kyle Shanahan, boys. Kyle, no, he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. I mean, he got that offense playing pretty well. The defense is, has stepped up. Um, so, you know, again, it's only I, I want to see what this 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 um um 49er team does in week 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 and 16. So yeah. does Richard? That's, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Does Sherman not want us yeah. to like jump on the bandwagon now? Is what he's saying? Well, because that, that, yeah, when you get new information, you can change your opinion. The team, get off the team. No, no. Yeah, he's saying. Listen, if you called us sorry, stick with it because we're going to prove you wrong. Well, I'm going to call you a liar. He's just talking trash. I'm going to call you a liar. Sherman. I, mean, I, I thought they were a 500 team when we did our predictions, like back in August. Yeah. But right now, I mean, they look like one of the three or four best teams in the league. Yeah, they are. They are the way they've been playing. They are one of the better and, teams. And we're allowed to change our opinions yeah. when we learn new Sports, things? you can't oh, do that. okay. I didn't realize that. People get hurt. Teams get I, healthier. I thought you guys chained me to the bathtub. Uh, I didn't realize I could change my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I am surprised tonight that our defense didn't play better, but I'm real surprised equally that our offense didn't have a better night, even though we were playing with some guys and were getting some of the earlier snaps. Ultimately. If you are one of the really top teams, which we're not, we are not. We are. We. I hope that uh, someday this season we could be one of the top teams. We're certainly not tonight, but I hope that uh, uh, we can do better than just win our division. Although I'll take that right now in this circumstance. But I would hope we could get up there and uh, get a little uh, special positioning in the playoffs. Man, two straight losses got your boy Jerry Jones out here struggling. Isn't, Man. It, three? Isn't it three? Jerry Jones mm-hmm. and the Cowboys losing yesterday to the monoless Sam Darnold's back at 24-22. to 22. The Jets win Sam that Darnold's game. Sam spleen, baby. <laughs> he keeps his spleen, and he gets the Jets the first victory of the season. Jerry Jones not very optimistic about the rest of the season, saying that they're really not a good team right now. Well, they're, they're two best off, they're two, their two offensive tackles are out, gone, yeah. Tyron Smith and, and Lyle Collins. It's amazing what happens to your offensive line when your two best blockers are not blocking for— Your best receiver gets you know, hurt. Your best receiver gets hurt, yeah. I mean— but that, but you, know, well, you know what? Though they're first place in the division, though at three and three, the Tennessee Titans lost, and that sucks, and it makes me miserable. <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles lost, and that sucks, and it makes me miserable. I'm with you on this, but I revel in the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys misery, and when that franchise <laughs> so comes up small, it does so good for my soul. I, but but isn't it? It's kinda, not. It's not healthy, but I like it. Isn't it? It's, it's ironic that Jerry Jones says, Jarrah. you know. We're not one of the best teams. I hope we do become one of the best teams, <laughs> but we're not one of the best teams right now. Well, Jerry, what are you doing to change it? You've got the same head coach for the last how, decade. How is he stuck with Jason yeah, Garrett for and, a decade? And how about the fact that Garrett on the sideline yesterday comes off of the sideline after a defensive stop, puts his hands out left and right, waist high to get high fives from his players coming off the field, and nobody gave him a high five. Hey, man, get your hand out of my face. <laughs> All the players walked hey, right past him. I, did you, I know you guys were you know, bombarded with Titans tweets, so you guys probably didn't see this, but Terrell Owens was tweeting yesterday about the Cowboys. He said, hey, Jerry Jones, at Jerry Jones, still think Garrett's the, the answer for a decade, a decade now, and, and all caps, a decade now. It's the same old song and dance. I knew they were going to Jason Witten on third down prior to that touchdown and knew they were going to him on the two-point conversion. 
too not too late to bring me back with a little emoji with the tongue out. <laughs> Jason Garrett to me he's the he's the Marvin Lewis of the NFC. Yeah, he is. He is. He's for, uh, for whatever reason Jera sticks with this guy <laughs> for what they've only made what two playoff appearances in his time. Ten years there, I think they, so. they, they've Two. been they've been pretty good with Dak though. Since yeah, that's what I'm saying. Dak. Since Dak, I think they made it. They had the Romo year. Did, Romo. Was, he the, was he the head so coach for the three. Romo team? It, yeah, it's been three. Where he fumbled the field goal snap against that Seattle, wasn't, or was that? I think so. I think 2009. I think that was, was Jason that Garrett. Yeah. So they made it that year when he fumbled. Uh, oh, I thought that was just a regular season game, but I guess not. Um, I thought it was in the playoffs. And then right. they lost to uh, Green Bay Packers on the fumble that wasn't a fumble. With um, well, the Jared Cook throw, they lost to the Packers in the NFC divisional round when when Rodgers made the throw against his body to Jared Cook down the sideline to kick a field goal to win the game, and that was probably the most spectacular throw I've ever seen anyone make in a football game. You remember what I'm talking about with Jared yeah, Cook along the sidelines? Caught, yeah, yeah. And right Rodgers, before, yeah, Rodgers yeah. had the plan. So they've been role. to the playoffs under Garrett what four times? I'm, I'm I'm looking it up right Sounds now. Sounds about five, right. So half the time. But I mean, Jerry Jones wanted stability, and Jason they've Garrett's three, also a yes man. They've gone three times and lost in the divisional round. All three times, twice they've lost to the Packers. Your time was uh-huh. the one that Des Bryant dove yeah, for Des the end Bryant, zone. Yeah, that was in Lambeau. Okay, um, so they lost three. So they've been in ten years. They've been to three playoff appearances, not, and he still keeps his job. It's not good enough. No. In Play fact, action. Cousins to the end zone. It is. His fourth touchdown today. Well, and we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were kind of talking about Kirk Cousins and how bad he looked. Adam Thielen had to call him out. And ever since then, they're 2-0. Bro, they, I was so disgusted run, with Eddie yesterday. They, they, thanks, a, thanks a lot, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, they didn't run hey, the it's football. boy. I literally went through the Xfinity guide. I said, okay, what's my early game today? I'm, I'm yeah. guessing I'm probably not getting the Eagles-Vikings, and I wasn't. So I got uh, put the Seahawks uh, and the Browns on one TV. Uh-huh. Houston and Kansas City was great. Red Zone did it on the other. Uh-huh. And every time the Red Zone was on and I looked up, Kirk Cousins is throwing <laughs> wide open passes. Stephon Diggs torched Russell Douglas yesterday, uh-huh. like it was his primary job. The the, the only yeah. thing that made the only team that I enjoy watching lose more than the Dallas, not as much as the Dallas Cowboys, uh-huh. as a fan is the Minnesota Vikings. Uh-huh. I, as a fan of the Packers, I hate the Cowboys and the Vikings. Those are the two that I've always hated. The Lions and the Bears have never really given us too much trouble yeah. so they don't really bother <laughs> yeah. me much but it's the vikings and the cowboys i grew up hating yep and so when nick on friday was like kirk cousins can't play football against good teams eagles win oh he's going to canton after and, this year. And i'm like i texted you go god thanks a lot for inspiring greatness out of kirk cousins well he eagles, thinking eagles cousins. lose and it's three the, the, the winner of that division is now three and three yeah. i mean they're it's not good wow. not kirk good. cousins baby you like that? Then I gotta hear you that. Like that. You like that? Then I gotta hear that like that, that, th- that fog horn every two minutes. <laughs> you mean the uh, Viking? Yeah. yeah, that thing. The the call. Yeah, stop him! <laughs> hey, if you don't want to hear it, stop him. I got Adam Thielen running around like he's Steve Largent. <laughs> and then I think Thielen's they I think they trolled everybody because they only ran the ball with Dalvin Cook sixteen times in that game. Uh, it's because other dude, a uh, guy I never heard of, like. Greg Madison or whatever. <laughs> Alexander Madison. Hey, when you're the throwing, coordinator for Ohio when State When you're throwing was four touchdowns, then you can not run the football as much. Uh, by the way, the 9 fumbled snap uh, against the Seahawks for the Cowboys was the last game, or the last year of the Wade Phillips era. 
they then fired Wade Phillips the next year, yeah, middle Wade, of the season, yeah. and Garrett started middle of the year. So he's been three times, lost twice to the Packers, and then last year lost to the Rams. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Just correcting those. Yeah. Those factoids. So I'm really starting to hate the NFL. Ten years, three I, playoff dude, appearances. I tweeted this yesterday as I'm as I'm pouring sulfuric acid down my throat watching because uh-huh. that's more fun than watching the Titans games right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm sitting there tweeting like this is why I love college football so much more than the NFL. Yeah, like I, I've always loved college football more than the NFL. It's always been a game I would gravitate more towards. And you look at this weekend when the schedules were both really good for both sports, mm-hmm. and you look at. Penn State, Iowa, close game. Georgia, South Carolina, upset. Florida and LSU was a fantastic football game. Oklahoma, Texas was a great football game. You go down the list, high quality entertainment. It's not as good of execution as the NFL, but it's better entertainment than the NFL right now because the NFL game is, outside of the best teams, is just so tough to watch. You didn't enjoy the the fair catch free kick in the London game or anything like that? Oh, my God. No, we don't enjoy the London game. Six turnovers from a quarterback? That's football? They, we are, we are slowly seeing, um, at least for the last, hell, it's been a decade now, that it's the New England Patriots than everyone else. Um, and it's, it's sad to see because we, we look at, we looked at the AFC South and we thought this is going to be the toughest division. Now, granted, it's still in, Colts are still solid. Texans are good. Yeah. The Titans are still in mathematically. They're in it. They could win a division. Same with the Jacksonville could win a division mathematically, but you just thought there was going to be more coming out of this division. We thought the Titans would play much better. We thought their offense would be much better than what they are, what they've shown. Um, this season now the defense has held its water um they've they've been everything that we thought they would be they're getting sacks now they're getting turnovers um things they were not doing last year um but the offense the offense has has come to an halt or it's taken a at least the passing game has taken a step back and that's just unfortunate because you figure you got enough playmakers on offense you got a veteran quarterback you got an offensive line that you know you think or you thought was pretty good. Uh, no one said they were world beaters, but you thought they were pretty good. And then five game five games into the season, they switch quarterbacks. They're tr- they've given up the most sacks in the NFL, and you're just throwing your hands up as a as a fan or as someone that has been a part of this organization. And I'm like, like what's really what's going on? You know, real quick stat to back up the offensive line. It's not just the quarterback problem. Last four games. So after the first two, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, 79 carries, 250 yards. That's 3.1 yards per carry. And again, in four games, 250 yards, you're averaging what? About 60. What, what is 250 divided by four? 65 yards a game? Yeah. 62 and a half yards a game? Three, so three yards a carry just... and 62 yards a game is not good enough for Derrick Henry. And we, but we it's know, not his fault. But we know that Derrick Henry is doing what we want him to do, and that's what? Run north and south. Yeah, not, yeah I don't it. think it's his fault. I think the it's offensive, it's offensive line is not, they're not holding up the end of the bargain. Big finish coming up next. We've had a big show. It's a big show. And now it's time for a big finish on Morning Drive. All right, time for the big finish. We do it each and every day at 945 here on Morning Drive. And the big finish, Braden Gall, is brought to you by Nashville SC. That's Nashville Soccer Club, of course. You can get your tickets today for the inaugural MLS season coming up next year. Oh, by the way, huge win over the weekend. Now one point back with one to play of first place in the table and being the Eastern Conference champs. One more game to go. 
for Nashville SC. And right now, if you want a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC take on Atlanta United 2 at First Tennessee Park on Saturday, October the 19th, just be caller 5. Right now, 615-737-1025. Let's get to the Rewind. All right, let's get it going. Morning Drive live here on a Monday. And you let us know, Coach, when you figure it out and uh, get back to us when you have some answers. Because that was, boys, I'm telling you, um, I think we've all watched a ton of football in our lives. Derek Mason, you've been on this planet for, what, 45 years. Braden and I a little bit less. And we've all seen bad football. But that was one of the most unimaginative, unproductive uninspiring, unwatchable football games that I have ever sat through as a kid, as a college student, as a young adult, as a grown man, and whatever the hell I am today at 35 years old. And I knew that it was over the moment I saw the tweets come out from Jim Wyatt that Roger Saffold was named a game captain. The fact that Roger Saffold is a game captain as a $44 million bust, I knew it would be three hours of unwatchable television. What a disgrace yesterday was. Defensively, everyone, you know, Dean Pease and everybody else on the defense, you were immune from conversation today. You guys did your jobs. You guys were fantastic yesterday again. But everyone else in the organization, from the very top to the very last person, deserves the blame and the criticism for that performance. It's a, it's it's one of the two or three worst performances I've seen from a John Robinson GM's team since he got here, period. And I'm telling you, I tweeted this out last night. CBS executives should have dumped out of the Titans game early and went to 60 minutes. You could have just bailed on the whole telecast. <laughs> just get to 60 minutes if I was running CBS. I, hate, right. I hate late kickoffs too, by the way. Brutal. Just because of my kids. It's, not, it's totally selfish. I'm sweating out bets and fantasy games on the Red Zone channel for three hours, and then i got to watch that? It's it's totally selfish. I, I get to spend time with my kids when they have noon kickoffs because they nap during the Titans games, which, by the way, is probably what a Titans fan should do. <laughs> Titans fans should probably do what my three-year-old does during noon kickoff games and go to bed. Basically. That's what they should do. There will be a large and long and lengthy conversation by everyone and their mother about what the Marcus Mariota era was with the Tennessee Titans, and bust is not one of the words you can actually use to describe Marcus Mariota. It's just not. Paxton Lynch is a bust, right? Like, EJ Manuel is a bust. Guys that started for less than a season. Johnny Manziel is a bust in the first round. This is a guy who had a fantastic first two seasons. In his third season, he led your team to a, their first ever playoff win in more than a decade. You cannot call Marcus Mariota a bust. He is broken right now. Well, Vrabel said yesterday, I see the problem, and the problem is the quarterback. I need to make a change. This might, and I think they might continue to go with Tannehill because this might be what the offense need, a jump start. Because everybody's probably, everybody, and I told y'all this before. Oh, everybody loves Marcus. He's the guy. Listen, guys ain't going to come out and tell you he's not the guy. Guys <laughs> won't say that in the, the, because they they won't do that because then that causes problems. But deep down, believe me, I've heard it. Deep down, he's not the guy. He's not. And I'm not saying he's not, he can't start for someone else, but he's not the guy for this team. Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback. He gives you a better opportunity to win a football game. Everybody, Marcus does some really good things. But at this stage of the game, Tannehill gives you a better, because you said it, Marcus is broken. He's yeah, done. Yeah. Tannehill gives, whether you think Tannehill is better or not, that's a different story. Right. But Tannehill gives you a better opportunity to win today. We welcome in our pal Corey Curtis from News 2. We 
heard good to great all offseason. Good to great, good to great, good to great, good to great, good to great. And what we've gotten is good to horrific. And, you know, for a team that's lost season ticket sales and needs some walk-up, nobody's going to walk up for that. Got to have some hope. And right now, I don't think there's a lot of hope. I don't think there's a lot of belief. And that's not just in the quarterback. I think that's in, you know, the, from the head coach and, and everybody on down. Hey, Corey, do you think they can possibly do this? It's never been done in the history of sports ever. That if they can take the Nashville Predators offense and the Titans defense and combine them both together, we got a perfect team. Yeah. <laughs> can, can, Matt Duchesne, <laughs> can Matt Duchesne play left guard? Is that a possibility? But think about this. like You, you are a $44 million whiff. And they said somebody came up with a great idea to say, well, you know what? Let's have Roger Saffold be the captain today because he's played so well through five games that he should lead us out. Well, you'll lead us out onto the field, Big Raj. We talked to our pal Darren McFarland. It's fun watching scoring, and this team looks offensively and special teams-wise way better through five games than last season. But they also look like they need to fix things on the back end, and that's something we haven't been accustomed talking to over the years. But uh, remember, there is a young man in Dante Fabro. His role is quite increased. He only played 10 games last year, and there's times when he's going to look like a rookie and a guy that has doesn't have a ton of NHL experience. While we praise him, rightfully so, and one of those uh, times was there on uh, Saturday night in, or Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles. So uh, still a work in progress, but so so far through five games, looks pretty good. So a high school coach was caught on camera stealing money from his players' wallets. Oh. You're a coach, and you're going to steal money. At least be a winning coach and steal money. It, this team is 1-6 of the season. He lost 54-14 to 14 to a team. Well, that's why he's probably stealing the money. Y'all owe me. <laughs> that <laughs> is terrible. So <laughs> Don't you ever say that again. That is terrible. A, a grown-ass man who steals money no, from right. kids is about Just as low as it gets. Just a stealing money. Somebody's stealing money from somebody else, period. It, it is bad. What if that player owed him money? Oh my God! Ah, stop! Plot twist. Ah, what are you talking twist. about? Ponzi schemes. Ah, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, what, if, what if what if one of his players would have took taken his own uh, squad plus seven exactly. and a half against Absolutely. the spread? Yeah, he didn't cover. He had to pay it up. <laughs> maybe <laughs> you owe. Hey, maybe some people set lines in high school football. <laughs> I'm just, just saying. saying. Yeah. Hey, maybe Mike Ray should do that to <laughs> Saffold. <laughs> just go in the locker room today. <laughs> Like you look at Sappho's pockets and be like, hey, man. Pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. Give me my money back. Titans football, presented by Vanderbilt football. Together we'll <laughs> suck all fall. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> All right, that is the Morning Drive Daily Rewind. It's a part of the Big Finish each and every day here uh, on Morning Drive at 9.45. All right, we're out of time. Darren, Donick, and Chase coming up next. Stay tuned for them. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 6. And as a man once said on Twitter when he signs off, take care. (laughs) (laughs) Bailey DJ Nashville and Titans, we still love you.